You're listening to the Life-Changing Discipleship Podcast. Here's the deal. If you make disciples by sitting around and talking, you shouldn't be surprised when your disciples sit around and talk and talk and talk. This is the podcast for those weary of just talking and ready to start activating in the mission Jesus gave us to change the world. The Life-Changing Discipleship Podcast, where disciples and disciple makers gather to grow and go together. Here's your host, Dr. Matt Friedemann. Hey friends, great to have you back today. Remember, the place for a man, for a woman complete in all their powers is in the disciple-making fight. And somewhere today, somewhere in the world, making disciples of the nation. So stay tuned and stay encouraged. We have a rendezvous with destiny. All right, ladies and gentlemen, great to have you with us again. As always, it's great to have you with us. We have been having kind of a fun thing we've been doing uh, over you know several uh, months now. Uh, called the discipleship lessons from books of the Bible. And so, you know, eventually you're going to come to a book called, (laughs) are you ready for this? The Song of Solomon, or as some would call it, the Song of Songs. And uh, you're you're just thinking, when I come to that, uh, actually, I wonder what's going to happen. So it's a very erotic song in the Bible. And so that's why you think, well, Let's see how uh, let's how let's see how we do when we finally get to it. Well, today we're to it. Today is when it's happening. So just uh, stay tuned. <laughs> let's see how it all rolls out. Want to remind you of something here? I've got a Substack page, and I want you to get to the Substack page and just kind of if you enroll for it. Uh, it's uh, some people uh, like to make money on it. I don't make money on it. I just like to say, hey, get in on it. Get my stuff if you'd like to get in on it. I think uh, it'll come to your email. And I consider it to be a kind of a fun thing to do. So just know that that's a, a real possibility for your life. Go to the uh, Matt Friedman. It's Freedy's Substack, Matt Friedman Substack, and uh, you'll uh, you'll be very appreciative. I hope that you did so. Also, want to continue to remind you about uh, some of the sponsors of our program today. We talk about Telios Press. Now, Telios Press a little bit hard to spell. Uh, I don't know why I chose Teleos as a thing. But anyway, Teleos is T-E-L-E-I-O-S, teleospress.com. And we got a bunch of really great books there. Uh, the 5Q Method of Discipleship is going to be there. number of really great books to help you do what Teleos is all about. And that is Teleos, as a Greek word, means whole, complete, perfect. So if you want to make whole, complete, perfect disciples, uh, we hope that teleospress.com will help you to do just that. Furthermore. Uh, and that's a sponsor of our program, Teleos Press. But furthermore, we have uh, lots of books on Amazon. And the most recent book on Amazon that we think that you'll really appreciate is The Doctrine of Good Works, written by myself, my son Caleb, and a very prominent theologian named Tom McCall. So go check out The Doctrine of Good Works. We think you'll appreciate that too and enjoy reading it. Okay, here we go. Uh the, the discipleship lesson, I thought usually we try to go for about five or so. Sometimes we come in under, sometimes we come in over. But uh, today we're going to come in a little bit over because there's so much good stuff here. And uh, so first off, let's just start off saying, I think every one of the books of the Bible can help us make disciples. And frankly, I think it's true of the Song of Songs. Uh, this is a song of Solomon, and it's a little bit disputed to exactly what this thing might be about. Uh, This could be 
King Solomon and his bride. And uh, he wants, you know, to get sweet on this woman. And so that's kind of what a lot of people say. That's what it's about first and last. And uh, that is probably very true. Uh, but there are some other things that might be. Some see uh, a third character. And there's a triangle of relationships here. There's a shepherd figure who is the true lover who wins the Shulamite girl's hand over against the advances of Solomon. Some consider the book to be just sort of an anthology of unrelated love poems, uh, no overall story to tell at all. And then some people will say, you know, the church traditionally has used this, and so have the rabbinics have used this as an allegory. So, sure, it's a, it's about uh, two or maybe three people uh, pursuing love, but uh, it seems like there's a deeper meaning to it. And so today, basically, that's what I'm going to do with you is, and someone will say, man, that's just, that's just uh, uh, what we say, wimping out, because really what it is is a love story, an erotic story. But on the love story thing, I think there are, if you want to ever do a marriage enrichment uh, seminar, this would be a great book because all the things we're going to share spiritually today could be said as well of a marriage and how you can improve that marriage using the Song of Solomon. So I don't doubt that for a minute. We're going to go with the perhaps this is pointing to a larger reality. And so that's what we're going to do for uh, going to do with it is go for the larger reality. So let's start off saying this. A lot of people have suggested that this is not a very holy book because it is just so erotic. And uh, when I think about the eroticism involved with it, I think about a professor of mine uh, where I attended seminary. And he says, you know, uh, this weekend I was with my wife and we went to a seminar on our marriage. And it was you know, using the book of the Song of Solomon. He said, and he said something a little interesting on the Friday night after he had presented. He says, now we've covered a lot of great things in this song. I'd like for you to go back to your bedrooms and pray. And <laughs> my professor said, well, you know, we didn't feel like praying so much as we felt like playing. So <laughs> there's, that that's the gist of this thing. It, it, it is, it's a very erotic book again. And a very explicit affirmation uh, of persons in this book. And whatever you say about that, there are two kind of famous sayings that not only denounce an erotic interpretation of the Song of Songs, but also proclaims the Song of Songs to be the holiest, now get a load of this, the holiest book in the Jewish Bible. Uh, there, there comes something uh, from the, uh, the Mishnah that says, he who, Jewish writings, Jew, uh, oral tradition of the Jews, he who sings a song of songs in a banquet hall and makes it into a kind of ditty has no place in the world to come. In other words, it's pointing towards something a whole lot deeper than simply fun sexuality. But then this comes uh, as, a, uh, as a perspective. Uh, all the ages are not worth the day on which the song of songs was given to Israel. For all the writings are holy, but the Song of Songs is the holy of holies. So who said this? Both of those things are suggested by uh, Rabbi Akiva. And 
He is one of the famous guys down in Jewish history. And he says, anyone who treats a song of songs as if it were just a, another popular love song is gravely mistaken. Far from being the most profane book in the Bible, the Song of Songs is the most holy because it's really about the spousal love of God. For Rabbi Akiva, the bridegroom in the Song of Songs is he who spoke and the world came to be, and the bride is Israel. Now, what we would say for our own purposes today, the bride is Israel and now becomes the church. The groom is Yahweh, and we could best understand the bridegroom today as Jesus. So when we look at this, we look at if, if it can be allegorized like that or looked at for deeper symbols, the deeper symbol would be God's pursuit of us. And yes, us looking at God saying, I want to be intimate with that God. And so I'll suggest to you, one of the great books you could buy if you wanted to know more about this kind of relationship, uh, and it doesn't just take off on the Song of Songs, uh, it goes right through the Bible, is Jesus the Bridegroom, the greatest love story ever told, written by a gentleman named Brent Petre. And so check that out. But having said that, the first thing I'd say in discipleship is we need to look at this. If it's really could be uh, uh, understood as the intimate relationship between us and Jesus. Wow. If that's the case, this thing is holy. Now, uh, some principles here. Let me just roll these out. First off, holy book. Second principle I would say for discipleship is just the intimacy that God wants us to have with him and that we ought to want with God and intimacy. In fact, let me just say, a lady came up to me in church one day and says, I would like to know more, more about intimacy with God. And I spent, we, we did do something at our church called Dayspring University. My church is named Dayspring. We do something called Dayspring University. And at Dayspring University, for the next six weeks, I did seminars, uh, six one-hour seminars on intimacy with God. And I covered the song of songs for one whole hour. And of course, you could go hours and hours upon hours on the Song of Songs if you wanted to. But if you want to know about intimacy with God, the Song of Solomon is a great place to go. Now, this is what, in here, it'll sometimes tell you, this is the bride, this is the chorus, and this is um, the groom. So here is the bride. She says, refresh me with raisin cakes, sustain me with apples, because I am love sick. His left hand is under my head and his right hand embraces me. This is about intimacy. And yes, we want intimacy with God. It runs through the Song of Songs talking about this intimacy that the groom wants with the bride, that the bride wants with the groom. And so, y'all, I would suggest that one of the great ways to seek intimacy with God for you and I today, and we've talked about it over and over again, are the means of grace. Uh, that is how we can, you know, how shall we say this? Date God. Uh, this is how you can pray, talk with him regularly, every day, every day. Have a set aside time uh, where you can say, Lord, I just really want, really want to have some time just with you right now. 
I pray to you. I have an open Bible. I want to memorize your word. I want to do this not just individually, but corporately. So I want to meet in groups, worship services, and small groups. Uh, I want to fast to say no to food so I can seek deeper intimacy with you. And then, of course, uh, I, I love the Lord's Supper, communion. I want to seek you in that so this is intimacy that comes across through the means of grace. But more than that, it's the means of grace that come through the works of mercy. So I want to show intimacy to you by showing intimacy and love and shared love with those who are in need in my community. And so I think the, the means of grace are a tremendous way to seek a deeper intimacy with the Lord. Now, just know this, there's going to be obstacles and barriers to that intimacy. And the chorus here in uh, in uh, chapter two of the song says, catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that are ruining the vineyards while our vineyards are in blossom. So get a load of this. If you start seeking intimacy, you will begin to know that <laughs> there's an evil one uh, in operation in the world that doesn't want you to have that intimacy. And so little foxes will come up. That'll ruin the vineyards. And of course, the vineyards are where you're trying to get intimate with the Lord. Uh, fact of the matter is, uh, there is going to be the suggestion that uh, when you start getting intimate with the Lord, nothing can get in the way. Well, there's going to be lots of things that try to get in the way. And I think it's good for every disciple to say, what are those things? What is there out there that's trying to prevent me from having a full-orbed intimacy with my Lord? Now, let's go to—so the first principle is one of the holiest books in all the canon. Second principle here is he wants—God wants a deeper intimacy with us, and know that when we want that with him, there'll be obstacles that come. We need to recognize them, get rid of the obstacles. Now this, there is a pursuit that is necessary— uh, I'm thinking of a book called The Pursuit of God, written by A.W. Tozier. Great name of a book, because we ought to be pursuing him, knowing that he's already pursuing us. But that's what lovers do for one another. They pursue one another. And here's the bride in chapter two. Uh, My beloved is like a gazelle or like a young stag. Behold, he is standing behind our wall. He's looking through our windows. He's peering through the lattice. <laughs> he's looking, he wants us, he wants deeper intimacy with us, he's coming to get us. And and, and, and y'all, that's what we ought to want with him, that's what he wants with us. Know that a pursuit needs to take place in your life, the pursuit of God. And I'd recommend that book to you as well, A.W. Tozer's The Pursuit of God. So number one, it's a holy book. Number two, he wants greater intimacy, and there'll be obstacles to that intimacy. It can't stop if, if we really want it, because he'll give us the grace to have that deeper intimacy. There needs to be a pursuit of the Lord. And we ought to recognize that pursuit, again, will largely come through things like the means of grace. I like uh, chapter three of the Song of Songs, where it talks about a... Um, the bride's troubled dream here, but it really talks about, I think, about a hunger and a thirst for this intimacy, a hunger and thirst for a deeper level of intimacy. And I tell you, in a marriage, whatever your level of intimacy is today, it needs to be deeper this coming week, this coming month, this coming year, this coming decade, always a deeper level. Uh, so do we hunger and thirst for that? This is what the bride says on my bed. 
after night, I sought him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but I couldn't find him. I must now arise and go around the city, in the streets and in the public squares. I must seek him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but I didn't find him. The watchmen who make the rounds in the city found me, and, and I said, have you seen, have you seen him whom my soul loves? Hardly had I left him when I found him whom my soul loves. Oh, I held on to him and would not let him go until I had brought him to my mother's house, into the room of her who conceived me. He's just thinking, wow, but there you go. The bride has a dream and it's a hungering and thirst for her bridegroom. And y'all, at the end of the day, if you're going to have the kind of disciple uh, rabbi, the kind of uh, relationship that the Lord really desires for you to have with him, you're going to have to hunger for it. You're going to have to be thirsty for it. And that's why that beatitude, the fourth beatitude says, blessed are those who hunger and who thirst for righteousness. They shall be satisfied. I believe it. I believe it. Do you hunger and do you thirst? And somebody, somebody's going to say, you know, I don't. I just don't. Well, then you need to begin saying, Lord, give me the grace to hunger and thirst for you. I want more hunger. I want more thirst. Now, this is a very sobering thing. First, it's a holy book. Second, deeper intimacy with him, but there are always going to be obstacles. Third, we need to pursue him. And the fourth thing here is the principle, the disruption principle out of the Song of Songs is, hey, when we hunger and thirst for him, we will be satisfied. And when we are satisfied, we will want a deeper satisfaction even after that. Fifth thing is this. There is such a thing in Christian history known as, I think St. John of the Cross talked about the dark night of the soul. And I, I got to tell you, um, I'm not sure I've ever experienced this, but maybe I have and just didn't notice as much, but there's, there's usually periods of our life where we feel very separated from the one who wants to be intimate with us. We're talking about God here. And I just think it's a, it's, it, it's, it's, it's something that comes for a lot of us. So chapter five in my uh, Bible is, it talks about chapter five being the torment of separation the torment of separation. And uh, it goes a little bit like this. I was asleep, but my heart was awake. A voice, my beloved was knocking. Open to me, my sister, my darling, my, my dove, my perfect one. My head was drenched with dew. My locks with dew, drops of the night. I've taken off my dress. How can I put it on again? I've washed my feet. How can I make them dirty again? My beloved extended his hand through the opening. My feelings were stir for him. I rose to open to my beloved and my hands drip with myrrh, my fingers with drops of myrrh on the handles of the bolt uh, of the bolt. I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had turned away and had gone. My heart went out to him as he spoke. I searched for him, but I did not find him. I called for him, but he did not answer me. Y'all, there comes a time in our life with the relationship with the Lord. They call it the dark night of the soul, whatever it is, sometimes you would really, really, really like his special presence, but his special presence doesn't seem to be there. It might be there, but it doesn't seem like it's there. 
And so we have to have great faith when this sort of thing happens to us. We have to have great faith to recognize that, yes, he is there. I just sometimes have to push through this feeling of it doesn't feel like he's there. So always remember the dark night of the soul. And I think there are different kinds of lovesick. But at the uh, the end of that section in chapter five of the Song of Songs, uh, the bride says, swear to me, you daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, ask to what you will tell him, for I am lovesick. There's a lovesick that's a yearning lovesick, and there's a lovesick that's just a, I feel sick. I want him that bad, and I don't think that he's here. I can't find him. So, sixth and last thing is this. Uh, the God of the song. Hmm. So look at uh, look with me if you got your Bible, 5-9. What kind of beloved is your beloved, O most beautiful among women? What kind of beloved is your beloved that you make a swear in this way? So talk to me. What, what kind of guy are we talking about here? And eventually this thing is answered down at the end of the chapter where it says, oh, you want me to talk about him, my beloved? Here's the woman talking about a man. Here's the church talking about Jesus. Well, his mouth is full of sweetness. He is wholly desirable. This is my beloved. This is my friend. Sweetness, wholly desirable, beloved and friend. That's just precious stuff. Then you get all the way down to the very, very end of the book. And it seems like it just captures it perfectly. Hurry, my beloved. <laughs> Hurry, my beloved. Be like a gazelle or a young stag on the mountains of balsam trees. Hurry, my beloved. Oh, please come to me. Please come to me now. And what kind of a God is this? <laughs> Again, sweetness, desirable, wholly desirable, beloved friend. And I want him now and i'm mindful that when you get to the book of the revelation which we are nowhere close to in our journey of the sobship characteristics out of uh out of these things i am mindful when it says here at the end of the book of revelation he who testifies to these things says yes i am coming quickly amen come lord jesus amen maranatha amen come Lord Jesus. The spirit and the bride said, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without cost. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I'm coming quickly. Oh, come Lord Jesus. And I like this book. I think it has much to teach about marriage. I also think it has much to share about our relationship with the Lord. Again, a holy book. And I hope you see it as much. And if it's about this intimate relationship between us and God, it might be the holiest book. That's what some have thought. Uh, always, always, always think in terms of intimacy, not just a business relationship with this guy, not just a dutiful relationship with the Lord. He wants to love you profoundly. He wants you to profoundly love him, pursue him always pursue him. 
I think the way to intimacy is pursue him through the means of grace, hunger and thirst for him, always hunger and thirst, because you will be satisfied when you hunger and thirst for the righteous one of Israel. Remember, as you hunger and thirst for him, there may well be times that are going to be the dark nights of the soul for you. Battle through them. And just remember, <laughs> this God of the songs is a sweet God, holy, desirable. Believe me when I tell you, you want him. You want this groom. All right. It's a wrap. Been an honor to have you listening to Life-Changing Discipleship with Matt Friedemann. Always, always tell others about our podcast. And remember, my wife thanks you. My daughter thanks you. My sons and their wives thank you. And I can assure you that I thank you for listening to this podcast today. Love God. Live clean. Keep the faith. Make disciples. And God bless you, dear friends. We'll see you back here real soon. <laughs>